what? We're we're one day out from the restart of the 2021 tour. Um, Stab Cusp, episode something of something. Welcome. How are you? What's going on? Let's roll. Professional surfing's back. And needless to say, everyone's pretty pumped. The vibe around town here in, in Newcastle and the surrounding suburbs is is um, electric, Mikey. Are you there? Are you in town? I am in town. I'm in the beautiful red head, staying with the lovely Lee family for a couple of nights before I get settled in up in Newcastle. This is actually the hometown of the stab engine room, Mr. Shinya Dalby. Um, so I'm enjoying the uh, the countryside at the moment. That's beautiful. And are you going to be uh, coaching up there? I am going to be coaching up there. Malia, or did you pick up some new uh, talent in the off season? Um, I am coaching Malia. And no, I didn't pick up any new talent on the CT in the off season. Um, however, I had been earmarked to do some other stuff, which I'm pretty frothing to do. I got to uh, spin a few words on the microphone, Mikey, for, for these next four events. So yeah, I'm pretty, pretty pumped about that. No. The high, the WSL swooped you, been swooped, gladly. Oh my no God. resistance. So now, okay, this is startling. So we have like a full infiltration now on the stab cusp. Like, are, it feels like you're a bit of a, like a spy, or, or I don't know. What am I supposed to think of this? You can think whatever you think if you want to think of me. However, if anyone's a spy in this world, it's you because you are the one who always gets me the hot goss before anyone which i just find you know baffling a lot of the time because you're on the other side of the world um yet you seem to know what's happening before my very own eyes you told me in january that there were going to be two events in new south wales and two events in western australia and you were right so if anyone's a spy it's you and i told you about andy king being gabby's coach (laughs) you did tell me that (laughs) um Let's talk about that real quick. Obviously, that was kind of the big news of a couple of weeks ago is Gabby and Charlie splitting. Uh, so it turns out Charlie didn't get on the plane, which was a big part of the conversation that we had last time we chatted. Um, and after you know a lot of speculation, it's come to light that it still hasn't been officially announced, but we're call it 99.5% sure that Andy King, former coach of Julian Wilson, I think he played around with Mick a bit in his heyday, um, is going to be coaching the one and only Gabriel Medina. Um, so tell me, is that the right call? Are they a good fit? Yeah, I think, I think they're an amazing fit. Like if you look at, uh, you know, Julian's sort of, you know, personality type and then also the way that Julian surfs, um, incredible variety of surfer, like coaching a surfer like that um, comes with its positives, but, also it's challenges. And I think that someone, um, someone like Kingy really well suited to, to Gabriel and yeah, they're definitely working together. It's, it's sort of, you know, out in the, the public eye now and yeah, I'm looking forward to sort of seeing how it goes. Um, you know, I know Kingy's a big fan of exciting surfing and we all know Gabriel likes to do exciting surfing. So I definitely think that um, as far as like, you know, personal philosophies go, I think that they, they would have a few that, that line up for sure. You know, Danny and I were talking about Gabby and like, how do you coach somebody who just appears to be like a purely kind of feel surfer? Like when I watch Gabby, it just looks like he just 
knows that he can kind of do whatever he wants in the wave. He's kind of like a dark wizard of, of sorts. Like he's just got, I don't know. He's like in Harry Potter. If you have that, the elder wand, like you can just do whatever the fuck you want. And it feels like the elder wand is just whatever surfboard Charlie happened to throw under his feet that day. Um, so if you're Andy, like, what do you tell someone like Gabby? Well, I don't know what he's telling Gabby exactly, but I do know that they would be really heavily focusing on preparation because that's sort of how someone like a, a Gabriel likes to roll for sure. It, like you said, he, he loves just getting sort of the information and the surfboard given to him. And then he goes and takes quote unquote elder wand and works his wizardry. Um, but I think that, you know, there's everyone's got different sort of styles and how they like to operate and, some some surfers and, and athletes and, and have a bit more of like a working relationship with their coach where it's sort of a bit more to and fro. Whereas I think that someone like Gabriel is a bit more, you know, fr from what I can tell a, a little more, here's the, here's the car and you jump in and drive it kind of thing. We did a little piece on the site uh, a few days ago, kind of like just after everybody that came on the charter flight got out of quarantine and it was basically just taking Instagram clips and YouTube clips that we just sourced on the internet of like, I don't know, five or six surfers that had come out of quarantine. And we just kind of posed the question like, you know, who's who's surfing best out of here? And um, I think we ranked Gabby as like the worst of that of the pick that we had. Um, he just wasn't looking too sharp in that opening exchange. So what have you seen in the past couple of days? Is he looking good or does he look a bit a bit hungover? Um, that, that sort of leads more to a, a conversation that I had about half an hour ago with Ryan Callanan about how to position yourself pre-event. And I think that Gabe, you shouldn't worry about what Gabriel Medina does on his Instagram or his YouTube account or any other social media before an event, because he is doing his best surfing in his heats. Uh, and that's not by, not by chance. Um, you know, further to that like ryan for instance he almost knows that he might have his cards might fall the other way because he just released one of the you know his best edit i think by far that he's ever done it, his surfing is absolutely incredible incredible variety such a well put together piece and I, I didn't see it where, where was it posted well that's another conversation it was posted on stabmag.com and it actually just went free today he told me um of which he paid his money I've paid my money. Griffin Colapinto has paid his money. Ooh. So we've all watched it. Um, Mitch Colborn has not paid his money. So he hasn't watched it yet, but he can watch it today because it just went free. So he can get onto it. Um, but yeah, getting back to it, like you. So Gabby's hustling people, basically. He's putting out like this bullshit, like basically. Nah, can't even he's always done that. He's never. He's never done his thing. It'd be like Chipper Wilson getting ready for a world tour event. It's, it's just not his thing. It's Gabriel's not putting a free surf part together before he serves a contest. It's just not his thing. Um, his thing is, like you said, purely competing. So yeah, don't worry about, you know, your little rank that you've done. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that deter you from how ready he is. Well, that was the interns doing. So I'm not taking responsibility for that one, but I will say based on those clips, I would not be throwing my money down on Gabriel Medina, but also taking history into consideration. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just going to turn it on when the, when the hooter goes off. I would put my money on that quite heavily. Um, but again, didn't really get to finish my point earlier. How does the modern surfer play the game? Do you 
do the Julian Wilson, Ryan Callanan, Geordie Smith thing and drop hammers just before the event and hope that it sends shockwaves through people? Or do you just go completely underground like a Gabriel and and maybe drip feed like one or two of your D-grade clips into the world just to satisfy some sponsor obligations and and then let it all out in your heats? Not that they're not all letting it all out in their heats. They're all letting it all out in their heats. But where's that, you know, the perception lie? Yeah, I think it just depends on how confident you are. Because I think the one person to whom this rule does not apply whatsoever is Italo Ferreira, who puts out legitimate parts on a weekly basis and then goes out in a heat and puts out a legitimate part in his heat. Um, And to me, he's just probably, he's the most outwardly, kind of like confident surfer and then gabby's a little bit more subdued but like you know deep down he's like the most confident surfer and then you have someone like like jordy who can get on a roll and then he becomes like the cockiest motherfucker on earth um so i think it just if i'm one of those surfers i'm just trying to maximize my own psychology if that makes sense like however i think i'm going to be in the best headspace to perform whether that's thinking that the judges aren't even thinking about me so i'm going to go out and throw it in their face or i've already showed people what i'm capable of i'm just going to roll on that momentum yeah yeah it's a it's an interesting one isn't it i think griffin colapinto you could put him up in that italo world as well like Mm. the amount of quality clips he puts on his instagram is um incredible so yeah, it's just a matter of throwing yeah. it all down in your heats, I guess. And I, I have another person that I want to bring up on this point, but I want to bring him up later because I have a kind of question that I want to ask that relates to this. So to that point, um, you were in Newcastle. Um, you are either Trojan horsing the WSL or you're Trojan horsing this podcast. I haven't figured out which yet. Um, but my real question is, can you tell us, uh, we Americans who know nothing about anything, what the two um, event locations are. I understand that there's a venue at Merriweather and then a backup venue at Dixon Park. Can you explain those two spots for us, please? Just on the animal that I am, I'm a, oh, I've forgotten what it is. It's like a lizard with two heads at both ends. You can't <laughs> tell which its head, which end its head is. Um, I could be Trojan horsing both. So it's Merriweather and Dixon Park. And Merriweather is a variety of waves, actually. It's like can be a little kind of right rock breaky shorey. And then as it gets bigger, the rock shelves kind of move further out. And it's a mixture of like rock and sand and can look like, um, you know, it has a lot of similarities to like a Bell's Beach or something like, the, you know, a wave like that kind of big and outside raw ocean um usually comes with like a big south swell and a a bit of wind so it can be a bit more of like a a battle of the uh the elements and then moving uh about a kilometer north roughly to you know half a mile north to dixon park is a bit more of like a left and right beach break um you know it's a bit more favorable in like a summer style swell but then the other day actually was kind of pumping on like a, a, a really good east ground swell and you, you might have seen some pictures or some footage online of it, like roping lefts, looking like a, you know, uh, you know, doing its best Mundaka version. So, yeah, it's a bit more favoured to like those uh, easterly direction swells, whereas Merriweather is a bit more favoured to the, to the south and east-southeast swells. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Um, to me, just based off of your description, I would say Dixon Park sounds like more fun, like maybe more like high performance. Is that about right? 
for sure. Like when the QS is here, you, you always get a couple of days where they'll move the tents up the, up the beach a little bit for sure, particularly on the smaller days. So um, yeah, but then again, on the right direction, like the first day of the waiting period, the swell drops off a little bit. So it could narrow and, and it, it's a, it's a South swell. So it could be, could be pretty fun um, off the rocks at Merriweather on the first day. It won't be, it won't be crazy, but um, it'll be, you know, should be pretty contestable. And, and I would say with the, with the way the forecast is looking, I've, I'd imagine they'll, they'll get going straight away. Yeah. It looks like basically the dying end of a pretty good swell in the opening bit, then it drops off and kind of goes to almost nothing for a few days. And then maybe a bit of like East wind swell sort of summary stuff after that. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's actually something toward right towards the end, but guess we'll just stay in our lane and leave that to the commissioner's office. Yeah. Okay. So with all that in mind, this is getting back to the other point that I wanted to bring up later. Um, who, g give me one name. Who do you have winning this event for the men? You've just been cooking him super hard. So I'll go with Medina. Okay, cool. And I am going to go with somebody who has had no digital presence of any sort for the past as far as I'm concerned, like year, maybe it hasn't been that long at all, but like, I just haven't seen him. Um, Felipe Toledo. I feel like the world has forgotten about the young man from, I forget where he's from in Brazil, but easily, easily the best small wave surfer in the world. I would say the only one who kind of contends is Italo, but I prefer to watch Felipe surf. Um, he, won his first seven TC CT finals that he's ever been in. He got a 10 in his first three CT finals that he was ever in. And I feel like he literally has nobody watching him right now. And it's just this like opportunity for him to just come out of the gates and be like, look guys, I'm still here. And like I said before, the way that this tour lines up for him now, it's like, first of all, he's in a better position than ever, I think, to win a world title, even getting a terrible result in the first event. And this tour leg, and especially this event with the forecast, like, I don't, who's better? It just depends what those last two days look like. But you're absolutely right with everything else you just said. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is incredible, and he's, he's had results here in the past, like, back in the day, but not that that really matters. It, he's just, you don't need those past results to know how good he is. He's um, definitely been putting clips on the internet i don't know where you haven't been looking but um he's um a worthwhile a worthwhile candidate for the number one position for sure yeah he is i will say he is rocking a bit of a dad bod he's he's gained a, a bit of weight it would appear i even heard from marcio zuvi that he's kind of like increasing the volume a little bit on his boards but i don't necessarily think that hurts him like i mean he already had a ton of power um, just with his the way he basically moved his body, he just created tons of power despite being a smaller dude. But now with a little bit of gut on him, I don't know. I just think like some mix of like uh, Italo and Wade Carmichael, like just the fast twitch muscles, but also just that like under the water rail, just pushing his board through everything. Like that would be fucked up. Yeah, I like it. That's it. Could almost be the world's most perfect surfer. <laughs> hybrid of those two that's yep. just uh yeah yeah i mean a little bit of extra power not that he needed extra power for his size but for sure if he's pushing a bit more foam around um you know maybe i shouldn't be worried about a six foot south well <laughs> he just might be he just could be all over it but i think that um you're right i think the person who's going to win this event is going to need to be 
extremely, um, you know, adaptable and, 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 um, you know, have, you know, a couple of really strong weapons left and right, chest high, head high, kind of, you know, be able to kind of maybe battle through a couple of shit days and then, and hopefully then, you know, the waves pick up towards the end and it's a bit more of a classic setup towards the end. On that note, um, we have a few new additions to this event. First and foremost, we have Crosby Colapinto is coming in, um, you know, likely as a kind of sponsor wild card because we know Rip Curl sponsoring this event. And he is filling the void of a Mr. Kelly Slater, who has decided to sit out with some foot injuries. And then just a few days ago, we found out that Kolohe is pulling out after doing his two weeks in quarantine. Um, he was dealing with an ankle injury that just didn't quite heal enough. So taking his spot is going to be the reigning QS champion, uh, champion of all East Coast Australian beach break surfing, as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Matt Banting. So how do you feel about that? Matt Banting, last time he was on the tour, he, he you know, had looked like he could fill into his shoes a little bit more. And certainly over the last 12 months, he's definitely, definitely done that. And just yeah like you said been decimating whatever qs comes his way so he's 100 percent earned his earned his ticket i can't wait to see him um flare up he's won this event before as a qs and um it's it's his time he'd, he'd have to be absolutely yeah. chomping at the bit ready to roll and if you're one of these wild cards um really your best bet to success is coming out of the gates hot if you win that round one heat you get pushed up to the top of your bracket, which means that you're not competing against Italo or Gabby, you know, in round three. For Matt, we have Frederico Moraes and Jordy Smith. And for Crosby, we've got Matthew McGillivray and Gabriel Medina. What do you think are their odds of getting a dub in that first round? As hard as those top top seeds are, they're beatable. And I think that um, I like Matt's chances. I just think his variety is really good and he's, he's gotten a lot stronger, like I said. So I like what you said about coming out swinging. I just think that gone are the days where you can build into events, particularly if you're a wild card, like you've, you've really just got to go for it and see if it all comes together. There's absolutely no point in leaving anything out there. So with that mentality and the way that, you know, Matty's been surfing, I, I like his chances for sure. Um, and then Crosby would be an interesting one. It'd be cool if he can kind of see if he handles you know, the pressure of the world tour, because it is, it is a different, it is a different level. Obviously we have a women's event as well. Um, so tell me, who do you got? If you got to pick one person to win this event, who is it? And I'm just going to make it easier for yourself and everybody listening. You can't pick Malia. She's off the table. Just assume she won. Who's going to get second. I would never, I would never, um, I would never be so biased as to do that. Um, Carissa Moore. Oh, that was easy. Yeah, it, 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 it's sort of like an easy pick, but you just sort of, you see the way they prepare and everything and, you know, the, the, you know, the top, top class on both the men and the women's tour, they've just got a, a very confident way of going about things and watching the, watching the top pros warm up the last couple of days, you, you, definitely, you definitely see it exuding the confidence. What about yourself? I'm going to go with a little bit of a wild card. I'm going to go with Joanne DeFay. Um, she's got, in her first round heat, she's got Steph and Bronte, um, both of whom are excellent in 
a wide range of conditions, but I don't think that their expertise is necessarily geared towards, you know, potentially junky beach break waves. So I think Joanne can maybe get a jump in that heat, put herself in a really good position in the seating for the rest of the event. And I don't know, I just really like the way that she surfed over the past 12 months or whatever. Like I saw her in a couple events. She won the two Euro events over 2020 when they were doing kind of like the regional novelty stuff. Uh, she looked really good in Honolulu as well. And yeah, I just think new venue on tour. It's time to see some fresh faces rise to the top. For sure. I think that she was the most improved of the last regular season as well in 2019. She had a crazy performance in France when it was big and solid out the back, doing huge turns and getting crazy barrels in the Le Gravier Shorey. And, um, you know, she tore the wave pool to bits. So she's, you know, the back end of 2019, she was on fire. So, yeah, like you said, with a few regional wins under her belt as well, that's a good call. She'd be coming into this event pretty hot. I'm looking at the women's heat draw right now, and I see a one Philippa Anderson on here. True or false, that is Craig Anderson's sister. Very true. Craig Anderson's little sister, the darling of Meriwether. Tell me about her. What What do we need to know? Um, We need to know that she has been knocking hard on qualifying for the world tour for probably the last two or three years, finishing sort of inside that top 10, but just outside the top six of what's required on the women's QS to make it onto the tour. So to see her get a start in her hometown CT is well deserved. Um, she's always been really, really solid here when the QS comes to town, placing in the semis or making the final over the years and, with the support of the local board riders behind her. Let's see what she's got. You think uh, Craig will be down there in the waterline, just whistling and waving the flag? He will definitely be down. Uh, he's always really supportive. Um, I don't know about whistling and waving any flags, though. Just pointing aggressive. Like, he, all of his competitive drive that he doesn't have just comes out when his sister's out in the water? You think it's possible? It's, my, it's absolutely not true that those big boy free servers don't have competitive drive. And also Craig was a pro junior darling at one point. Um, you're, you're ruining his image right now. What are you doing? No, <laughs> no, he loved it. He loved it. Um, look, Craig's really supportive of Philippa and Ryan. He's really good friends with Ryan Callanan. And it's, it's funny. Um, competitive surfing is really stressful and, and no one shows it more than Craig. So I'll um, definitely be looking forward to seeing him down on the on the pathway down there at Merriweather, but um, I'm sure he won't be too chatty. He'll be focusing in hard and sending out all the good vibes. All right. Now, I have a coaching question for you. How do you tell your surfer, say it's just like a straight, say you're at Dixon Park and it's, you know, a pretty straightforward beach break. There are lefts, there are rights. There's not necessarily a defined peak. How do you tell your surfer to treat priority in a situation like that? Oh, I think you pretty much have manufactured the answer there for me. You, 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 you don't treat it with too much respect. Um, quite often in the, you know, the beach break style conditions, if you're waiting for a wave, it, it, it won't come. Okay, fair enough. So I actually did a ton of research with the help of my little research assistants, uh, Zach and Jack this week to try to answer the age old question that maybe I was the only one asking, does priority matter? So 
I want to bring you. This is the first time that Stace is hearing this, and I, I really want to bring him through what I did, and I want him to try to answer some questions that I now have statistical data to back up. All right, so I went back to the 2019 WSL Championship Tour, men and women. I chose 10 men and 10 women that were kind of like evenly spaced throughout the rankings. So say for men, I took like the one seed, the four seed, the seven seed, the 10 seed, blah, 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 like, you know, relatively even gappings between them. For the women, it was basically every other woman. So the one seed, the three seed, five, blah, blah, blah. So I have 10 women and 10 men in an entire year. And I went back to every single one of those 10 people, well, 20 people's heats, rewatched the heat analyzer and found out whether their two scoring rides were caught with or without priority. So through that, I was able to aggregate all the data and find out throughout the course of a year and at specific events and blah, 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 what percentage of their waves that actually count at the end of the heat are caught with or without priority. So if you were to take a guess, what would you say are the percentage of keeper scores caught with priority by men in an entire season? Mm, the, the first number that comes to my head is 60%. 60%, okay. And what about women? Um, maybe higher, maybe like 70. Okay, interesting. Um, your logic between men and women is correct. Your numbers are not. So for men, Throughout an entire season, at least of these 10 people that I polled for one season, if I had more time and manpower, I would have expanded the search to all the surfers in the past 10 years or whatever, but we're running a you know <laughs> small-scale operation over here in my basement. Um, so based on the, you know, the statistics that I was able to pull for this, 52.2% of waves, of keeper waves, are caught with priority by men. And for the women, it's 56.03. So this tells me that, yes, priority matters. You know, it's above that 50% mark, so it's clear that they are utilizing it. But it's not, it, I don't know, it just doesn't have as much of an effect as I would have assumed and as you did assume at 60 and 70%. Like, it's literally for the men, it's like just a 2% gap, basically, from 50, um, which is pretty surprising to me. But, yeah, how does, how does that sit with you? I'm pretty happy with my guess at 60 and for your number to be 52. I think that's a gold star. It, it sits with me pretty well. It, it's hard to really make a, an actual comment given your statistical um, data range. Um, and also given the, the variables that surfing not only per event, but per day can bring you. So uh, I think that priority definitely matters. Um, and in the scenario that you gave, for sure, you, you, you value it a little less, but I think over the, the, you know, the, the course of a year, you would rather have it than not. Also, just kind of off what you were just saying, I broke it down. I broke this down in a number of different ways. Um, one of them is by wave type. So I tried to simplify it. I know that they're kind of, you know, like it, you can't typify these waves so cleanly necessarily but I, I tried to just for the sake of this so I broke it down into beach break point and reef um, 
So which of those three do you think priority would be most valuable or used basically most efficiently? To get a score. Yeah. So like if a high because percentage is, means that you're using your priority efficiently. To me, I guess that's where everyone, not everyone, but I would differ to you. And I, I would say that I'm more often describing priority in a tactic as being defensive rather than offensive. Okay. And I think that that's, um, you know, a, a tactic that every surfer has used in their, in their, you know, in their career. Did they stand up on that wave and get a score? Uh, maybe not. But did they stop someone from getting a score? You know, possibly, highly likely. That's a really good point. So when you talk to your surfers about priority, is it typically – about controlling the their their opponent basically or to you is it more about getting on the best wave of the heat plan a is both getting on the best wave of the heat ripping it and you're getting a nine and your competitor didn't get one either yep if you nosedive on that wave well at least they didn't ride it <laughs> yeah very true okay if, so your, if your hand slips off the rail at the takeoff yeah you're bummed but at least you're still out the back and they didn't catch it either yep very true. All right. I would say I would say on the reef breaks, it 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 matters a whole lot more um, than what it would on a beach break. Yeah. So we found that reef breaks have a slight advantage over beach breaks, and that point breaks are the one where it really jumps up and it becomes really valuable to have priority. Um, actually, for the women, sixty-seven percent of waves caught that are keepers were caught with priority um, versus 49 for beach break and 57 for reef for the men it's not quite as spread out it's 50 percent for beach break 52 for reef and 56 for point break um, mm. but yeah it's it's cool to see the delineation um, and to see some parallels well as well across genders but there were certain things that did not align at all with uh, the genders. So for instance, um, do you think that there would be any correlation between end of season ranking and the efficiency with which one uses priority? So for instance, somebody who uses priority to get their keeper wave 60% of the time, would you see them being uh, high in the rankings, low in the rankings, middle, or do you think it doesn't matter at all? It depends what their yearly average is. So if they're really efficient at getting one of their top two scores, but their average for the year is nine points for a two-wave total, then you can be as efficient as you want. But if you're not surfing good, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> I, I have no answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you are uh, right to a certain degree. So for the men, the efficiency with which you use your priority, at least in terms of getting scores, we're obviously not looking at the defense side of things. Um, has no correlation we found whatsoever with how they perform in the season. Um, and that is best kind of exemplified by the fact that the surfer of the, of the 10 men that we looked at, the surfer who was most efficient with their priority was the number one ranked surfer at the end of the year. That was Italo Ferreira, who used priority to get a keeper wave 61% of the time. And the second most efficient priority user was Ricardo Christie, who finished the season 33rd. Um, and he was at 60% of using that priority to get 
is Keeper Waves. And I found that really interesting because to me, not only are they entirely different surfers and on entirely different sides of the standings, but to me, it's, it was weird that Italo was so high. I would have thought that Italo would have been one of the lower guys just because of how many waves he catches in a heat and how many scores he seems to get. But turns out he still gets the vast majority of his waves with priority. I, I just think, too, you've got to remember that a lot of the heats they're surfing are, are man on man. So the, the interesting number would be to find out how many times it changes in a heat not whether or not you're using it correctly because more often than not priority falls into your hand and you make, you know, an unforced, you know, good decision or bad decision. You, you just, you're out the back and this wave comes and it is an absolute no brainer. There's no one sitting next to you. They're paddling back out. So you don't have to make a decision. The interesting point I think, which is extremely hard to quantify is if you have to make a decision, did you make the right decision? So Ricardo Christie V Michelle Perez, J Bay, on the year that you've got this data from Ricardo Christie used priority on a wave, got his best wave, his best score. Michelle Perez was on the wave behind just by chance because Ricardo made the decision to go to the first one. It was the wrong decision. Yeah. Okay, great. So not only did Ricardo make the bad decision, but now my research is completely useless. So thank you. Stacey. Well, I appreciate you and I, and I, I made the bad decision too. Like we, we were looking at the swell going, hey, like it's a kind of a, a mixed up swell. If you see a double up, it's not like a perfect J-Bay swell. Um, you know, if you see the, if you like, if you see your wave and you like the look of it, go with your, go, go with, go with ride it. Let's, let's, let's see some action because we're just not too sure that there's even going to be a second or a third wave in that set. And the second wave was exponentially better and lost the heat convincingly. So it's a hard one. The other hard one with the data too is point break v reef break. Like, what do you call Bell's Beach? A point I, or a I, reef? I call it a point. It's a reef. Yeah, based on what's beneath it, but it's considered a point break for all intents and purposes. You know, it's it's very it's a very hard one to um, it's a very hard one to think. And overall, surfing is so hard to I think have a money ball um, eye on things because of the the moving parts. And I think you, you posed a good question to me last week. Like, what does a surf coach actually do? Um, I think it just installs faith in that surface decision-making in the, on the given day. It's kind of like I a caddy, right? Like for a golfer. 100%. Yeah. It, yeah. You're not, you're not giving them anything they don't know. They're the best in the world. But it's more, it's more giving them the faith that you have their back and that you, you trust their decision in whatever they make because they're the ones in the, in the, in the court. They're the ones on the field. So... I think that, um, you know, the data and everything's amazing, but I, I sometimes do get a little um, worried when people lean on it too hard because there's yeah. just so many moving parts. Well, okay, so here's the other thing is of the 10 males that we looked at, the person with the lowest percentage use of priority to get top waves is Kelly Slater, who is an 11-time world champion. And he only utilizes priority 44% of the time to get a keeper, at least in that season. You know, who knows what it would yeah. have been throughout his and, career. And, and that's why I lent more towards the women um, having a higher percentage at the start was because I believe they could utilize that strategy a little bit more as a whole. I think a lot of them are a little guilty of just, I've got priority now, I'll just wait for a wave. Or, or, or worse than that, I'll just wait for priority. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, particularly at some of the better waves in the world, but you know, there's, there's a lot of waves that go ridden at, at Honolulu Bay that if you surfed it well enough, you could turn it into a score. I think Steph's, Steph's really good at doing that. And to that point, um, the women, on the other hand, there is a direct clear correlation between 
the efficiency with which you use your priority to get waves and your success throughout a season. Um, so of the 10 women that we looked at, four, sorry, this is going to be really confusing. Of the 10 women that we looked at, four of them were in the top seven of the season rankings. So not of the, of the 10 rankings, but of the season rankings where there's 18 women or whatever, which is a really high percentage, basically. You had Carissa Moore, Lakey Peterson, Sally Fitzgibbons, and Courtney Conlog all in that upper echelon of people who use priority successfully. Courtney Conlog was at the top. She's at 63.7% um, of waves that she catches that her keepers are caught with priority. Yeah, the only surfer who's really an outlier is Steph Gilmore, who caught 51.13% of her waves in 2019 um, that were keepers with priority. So, And she finished fourth in the world. So she was like the one person who did really well in the season and didn't use priority that efficiently. So, yeah, what do you think is the big difference between men? Why is there such a big disconnect between men and women here? Um, I think... Uh, no doubt it's the aerials so you know a, a, a male surfer can look at a closeout and see a 10 and uh, the women just aren't quite there yet yeah wow short and simple i love it so uh if you had to guess what would be the event where priority is the kind of like least advantageous snapper rocks really why is that as a non-local snapper can be really hard to surf like average snapper can be can be really hard to surf and that translates to competition how um you can sit and just absolutely butcher it sit out there waiting for a wave and you think you found the double up and you find yourself on a fat burger got it okay well um to be fair i don't have any data on snapper because in 2019 of course they never surfed at snapper so i treated the snapper event as actually a beach break event because it was all held at diba um, so I can't speak to that one. So take snapper out. What would be next in your mind as where priority is like least effective? The wave pool. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. Hosegora Panish. I'm not too sure. Good call. Yeah. You were right the first time it was France, um, for both men and women. Um, basically priority was useless. So for men, only 34%, which is basically a third of keeper scores were caught with priority, which is insane. Mm. And yeah. for women, it's 42%. Um, mm. So I, I don't know. I think though too, like, again, another one I would like to look a little bit deeper on, and I don't even know how you would measure it. Um, but I think it's sort of harder to tell in surfing than sometimes it is in like a, you know, a basketball or a, or a football game or whatever, but like momentum. So, you know, you might not be running away with the scoreboard, but your momentum is just undeniable. And I think that's what priority can bring in a, in a surfing, you know, context. You can, um, it's the age old thing, like getting your feet in the wax. You might not get a keeper score, but you might've jammed one and got a seven and you've already got two eights and, they didn't get a seven and they're not back in the heat now. And then they go close out and then you go the next one. And so you have scores and then they feel like they have to wait with priority to like get their wave and you never yeah. have priority and you're just catching. Exactly. Waves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the big thing with, with priority is, um, and, and it's, it's something that I find quite hard to train for when, when we're, when we're training and, uh, it, you know, it's, it's good if they've got a training partner to do this with, but, 
um, you know, creating those situations where, like I mentioned earlier, where you have to make a decision and your decision is, um, it's, it's in, what's in your best interest to put more points on the board because ultimately that's what wins heats is, is surfing. Um, but, you know, second to that, it's, you know, is this surfer back out the back yet? Do I go this wave or do I wait till they're back in a surfing position and ride the next one so that they don't ride it as well? Whereas if I go the first one and they're paddling back out, they might be available to get the second wave, mm. but they're not in a position to get the first wave or it's, you know what I'm trying to say? So there's that, there's that um, to think about too, which some surfers don't like thinking like that at all. They, they just, they want to just ride waves and surf really well and, and, and see what happens where the other guys uh, and girls, um, they do think like that. And they're the kind of things that they're computing. Yeah. I always find it so interesting when a surfer comes in and they're like, Oh, you know, I made a huge mistake. I either went on this wave and left them out for the next one, or I let them go on this wave. And I just think like, man, there are so many things that, you couldn't possibly know like is it really a mistake if you couldn't have possibly known like you're just taking a guess like it's it's gambling really like if you don't go on a wave and you 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 let them go because you think there's a better one behind it or vice versa like how can you really know and particularly in the modern era too with computer scoring um you know like we're in the the home of 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 mark richards four-time world champ and and he's he's famous for um riding as many waves as he could as best as he could and that you know that that got him you know amazing success michael um, peterson I do think... too would just go out and like catch a million wa- like he figured out exactly. how to game the system basically and exactly yeah and so all i would say about that is is that the system's just changed now so is you know i don't believe you know you can really do that you're getting you're getting real-time information about what's going on in the heat so i definitely think it's at your advantage to know how to manipulate that um, the best to you know the best of your ability and that's what makes surfing so incredibly difficult is is you've got to be so talented um as well as being you know quite headstrong and and, and clever because you're dealing with another surfer who's equally as cunning potentially and then also mother nature so there's so many moving parts it's what makes the the top guys really good and you know admirable when they do their thing and they hit their stride not only are they performing but the things they're also trying to navigate as well, are, uh, you know, and that's something I mentioned earlier when we had Kolohe on, like, I think he's really good at that. Really, yeah. Really and good. I mean, Ace too, like he brought up that point when he was on here about, you know, I understand from the fans perspective that you guys want to see the best surfing, but like, you also have to understand that like competitive surfing is not just about what you're doing on a wave. You know, there's so many different layers to the psychology and strategy and competitive aspects and knowing your competitor and playing off that. And, and I think that makes it really cool. I, I agree with Ace on that point. As much as I want to see someone who can do a 10-foot air, I also love watching the little chess matches being played. Yeah. One of the most exciting chess matches I watched was, I believe it was Nat Young and Owen Wright at a really slow heat at Trestles. And I think Youngie got Owen and it was just beautiful. They were the sitting in he, the channel yeah. for half the heat. <laughs> yeah, but regardless of how they got to that point, there was like four minutes left I believe um, I believe Nat had priority and he just thought, well, I can ride two waves in four minutes. Even if Owen gets the next best wave, I'll already have like a one point head start because it was going to be a low scoring heat. So I'll get the chance to ride two, hopefully, and he'll only ride one. And that's exactly what happened. And he won. And just like to think of that on the fly of like, how am I going to win this heat? I just thought that was amazing. 
Yeah, well, all of this is getting me really excited to watch some competitive surfing. Unfortunately, it's not that great for my time zone. I think we're maybe like nine hours apart as we just had our daylight savings. Um, but I'll be catching, you know, as much as I can through the evening. And then um, we're actually going to have a new correspondent doing some daily comp reports for us, um, a young Australian kid. So, yeah, keep an eye on stabmag.com for who's that going to be do i do i need to like rib him heckling a little yeah, bit? yeah absolutely i'm actually going to put you on a text thread with him so that uh you can you can hear uh, wsl if you're listening put the volume down for a second so you can feed him all the the insider stuff from like behind the perfect. scenes that yeah 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 okay cool yeah, perfect. okay yeah um wsl Sweet. you can you can put the volume back up i don't know how you would hear this if your volume's down but just yeah okay <laughs> Oh, Stacy, um, you better not go fucking corpo on me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go so corpo. You watch, I'm chameleon, <laughs> just change colors. Just get it... some elo veneers. Your teeth are just gonna be like a fucking piano set when you get on the screen. <laughs> oh shit! Get some new wheels. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. No, I won't be doing that. Um, but no, yeah, I'm excited. I'm kind of shitting myself. Let's just get this party started, eh? Cool. So, yeah. Stace. Uh, until next time, I guess we'll catch up, what, after event number one, right? After event number one. Wow. So stoked to be able to say that. After, oh, see, that's the thing though. It's event number two. Like pipe is so far in the rear view and, and all, like, I, I completely forgot that that even happened. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, and if it makes you feel any better, I, I know a lot of the surfers are too, just, just from the point of that there was such a, a big break. Um, and, and also too just uh you know speaking with a couple of the the surfers around the town like the, the the relativity of this wave is like everyone has one of these waves in their backyard whereas only john john has pipeline in his backyard so as far as everyone's concerned like what they've been training for or training towards or thinking about or running boards or running heat drills or all that kind of stuff it, it's positioned to waves like this so in a sense it feels like we are going to see who has improved. You, you, you can tell who's improved at their charging at pipeline, which is an amazing thing. And like, I would say, you know, someone like Griffin, it was the top of the pack there. He had an incredible winter, um, but coming back to just like left and right, open face carving and, and doing huge airs. Like, fuck, you really are a WSL puppet here. Look at you. You're, you're, you're spruiking the undream tour. Yeah, beach breaks. Mate, I've been spruiking this. Un- <laughs> I have been spruiking this undream tour since day one. I, I believe these type of conditions provide the most excitement. Before what we were talking about earlier about who's kind of onto it with their decision making and stuff, you'll see. You'll get excited. <laughs> I yell at the TV more than I, you know, over like a nine point heat total than what I do over like you know. <laughs> no, nah, I don't really. But you know what I mean. Like it is. It is. I think equally it has its parts, whereas it's, it's exciting. All right. We'll see. We'll and see. Thanks, You'll Stacey. see. That's what I'm saying. You'll see. <laughs> you naysayer. You, you're frothing just as much as anyone, mate. Don't you dare come around here, coming around here. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Stab Cusp. Stace, you have anything to say? No, over and out. Can't wait.